Happy Monday, everybody. It's Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. We are live from Brooklyn, New York, as usual. I'm here with Miss Naomi Gray. You know it's Monday, so Naomi <laughs> Gray is in the building. I mean, this is uh, we're, we're basically in a weird situation in regards to um, sports because the NBA is now officially done. Yeah. Right? Until, I guess, do you count Summer League? Not really. People are usually in and out of that. Okay, because I, I just think, you know, you got, you got Summer League now. You have um, all these different stars that are, are going to be premiering for the first time. Obviously, all the rookies that were just drafted this past Thursday. Um, that's the only other thing that I think is coming up with the NBA. Oh, of course, free agency. I forgot. Mm-hmm. That's, no, that's something to look forward to. There is no off season, right? There's just free agency. There's, you know, teams lying to their fan bases, saying they're going after this player, et cetera, et cetera, Kevin Durant. You know, like that whole <laughs> thing is happening right now. Uh, baseball. Baseball is the main thing that's in full swing. I know that you're not a big baseball fan. I get it. You're not. <laughs> but it's uh, a lot of stuff going on with baseball right now, um, obviously with Jose Reyes. So uh, I'm going to do actually tomorrow's show. I'm going to do a, a nice big uh, – a, a little, a big investigation in his whole situation. You know, getting back into Major League Baseball and um, returning to the Mets after the whole domestic violence situation, where he indeed did, you know, assault his wife. He yeah. did. He, you know, it was it wasn't like it was allegedly. He actually did. He, you know, so um, the whole take on that. Um, discuss that a little bit more tomorrow because today we got so much to deal with the uh, USA basketball team. Yep. We actually have 12 players that want to play. <laughs> 12 players made this team, and one of them is Harrison Barnes. He's trying to he's trying to make a comeback I mean, this he, summer or something, he, trying to make up for what he was doing at the end of the, sem- at the, end of the season. You was about to say the end of the semester. Yes. <laughs> See, I'm still like... <laughs> they're still in college mode for real. My goodness. Man. <laughs> so, you know, we're going to discuss that as well as the other 11 members of the team. And uh, break down who you feel like, you know, belongs there, who they probably left off. Uh, this year's team putting together because of the whole Zika virus was a little harder. Which was, it's interesting to me because the women's national team was basically established. Uh, they, they knew who the roster was about three months ago. Yeah. They knew, we knew who they was playing. There was no questions. There was no pulling out. That's the team. Right. The men's team, they waited to the last possible minutes to get a roster together because everybody kept dropping out. Interesting. So, you know, we're going to get into that. Uh, the the whole uh, NBA draft fallout. Who's your winners? Who's your losers? I actually wrote an uh, article on KeepItAreelSports.com this past weekend just giving my, my winner and loser from uh, the draft and just breaking down each pick. And uh, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna reveal that in a minute. Uh, you said you 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 watched a little bit of the draft, right? Yeah, I watched a little bit of it. A little bit of it. Obviously, Ben Simmons went number one. Brandon Ingram went number two. Uh, you know, it's the thing that I actually was very proud of, and I'm gonna go on record as saying this because I, I brought this up to you. Uh, I think this was on Thursday about the fashion and how these guys are gonna show up dressed. Right. Everybody was on point. Yeah, it was very, they looked pretty spiffy to me in a good way. Not like, nobody did too much. It was just around the right amount of I mean, swag. There were the the uh, the shoes, the, what was it, the Gucci shoes. It was like, they were they were glitter shoes and they were lighting up or whatever. I seen somebody, who was it? Was it, it was, I don't know if it was Buddy Heald. I think it might be Chris Dunn. Somebody had some glitter shoes with yes. burgundy. Is yes. that who you, oh yeah. Yeah. Was he the one who showed like the numbers Penny. on the inside of his? Yes. yes him, the yes. suit was made. He said he wanted to make sure the suit was made entirely by JC Penny. He wanted to make right. sure everyone him. knew this. Yes. You know, I believe that was Chris Dunn. 
And, uh, you know, he had the special shoes. He wanted to make sure you knew what the shoes were. Like, they were, they were you know, hey, how could you miss them? Right. How could you miss them? So he was a little bit extravagant. Uh, everybody else was pretty, you know, normal, calm. Yeah. You know, I was very, very surprised by that. <laughs> this was the first draft in a long time where everybody, for the most part, was under control, you know? Yeah. Um, th- what were you going to say? No, that was it. Oh, okay, was just, I, had to th- well, I had to think about it for a second. Like, let me double check. Yeah, everybody was pretty normal. <laughs> I'm, trying to think, like, I'm trying to really think about, like, who was crazy? Like, who looked really crazy out there this year? But uh, there wasn't really anybody that would, that that just stood out as looking really out there. Mm-hmm, exactly. You know, so that was a first. So, uh, you know, props to them. Props to mom who was there. A lot of moms. That's what sure. it, that, exactly. Have a lot of good moms behind them. You know, a lot of, like, it's not like Eli Apple's mom. You know, <laughs> she got, she works at ESPN now. She's, <laughs> she told her son not to wear a fancy watch. But, um, you know, we got that going on. Um, obviously, the whole, like, topic of just what these players are going to do once they're drafted. How's going to be the transition? Which players are because you know you know the whole thing with international players, right? You can be drafted this year and not play this year. Yeah, it'll take you a year or two to come over because they stash you over there. They still have contracts overseas. I have a lot of thoughts on that because it annoyed me, especially with the Boston Celtics with eight picks, mind you. The Boston Celtics had eight picks. It did nothing with them, so I'm I'm just gonna they were my losers. I had to put that out. <laughs> I had them marked down as my losers for the draft. Just a, a horrible job with with pretty much a golden opportunity to move players around. Speaking of players that were moved around, Serge Ibaka. Yeah. He was dealt for uh, Victor Oladipo. This is all, it is a lot that goes into this, you know, a lot of uh, different reasons why that deal was done. None of them of which have to do with Kerry Hilson, so I need people to stop saying that on Twitter, okay? <laughs> people just want to point the finger at somebody. That has they nothing do. to do with it. It has nothing to do with Kerry Hilson and her Snapchat. Everybody's like, oh, her Snapchat's the reason why you got traded. That's not it. That's not it. Just want to put that out there. So going to break down that deal because I think there was a lot of um, just a, a lot of confusion for some people that are not really in that in tune with basketball to know what was going on between Serge Ibaka and OKC and where there was beef because there actually is a beef. With them and with him in management, yes. In terms of him being an, a bigger option on the team, because he wasn't this year, he right? Just wasn't. Yeah. So we'll see when it comes to that. Um, the other thing in the NBA, obviously, Derrick Rose at his press conference, which I had the full press conference on the site on keepingrosports.com. Hilarious for the simple fact that he cursed twice in the entire press conference. Oh, my gosh. Welcome to New York. He already got that New York potty was, mouth. <laughs> he was. I'm not going to play the parts where he, I'm trying not to play the parts where he cursed, but he had some funny parts in there, and obviously the part where he talks about the Chicago Bulls and being being surprised that he was traded. Very surprised. He, he didn't expect to be traded. And how he's wearing number 25 because of his, the honor of the fact that he's from Chicago and he wants to bring a piece of Chicago with him. So I get that, you know? Yeah, but uh, he he definitely went off to say a couple of other things that want to get to a little bit later, and um, I'm happy. I'm happy with Derrick Rose's composure. Yes, he did curse twice in that news conference, but he did it in a very calm way, in a very calm but like I want to win bad type of way because now he has something to prove to the Bulls organization for trading him mm-hmm. and to everyone else that's doubting him because they say he's done, he's washed up, he has a lot to prove on a one year contract. The guy needs to do well in order to get a max contract. Right. So. I like I like I like the situation. If you're a Knicks fan, you gotta like the situation, especially with Joakim Noah living in in New York for the summer. Him and Derrick Rose have been hanging out a couple of times. I kind of see where this might be going. You see where this is going. You see, I feel good about this. I like this right now. I'm a Knicks fan. And I'm also overhyped for the situation, but 
When's the last time we, we've been excited? When has been the last time? I, I don't know, but I'm just going to enjoy this moment. <laughs> also, got some uh, soccer news. And, and now this is uh, for some people that do not follow, like Copa and all that. You know, Lionel Messi is a, is a legend in soccer. Right. Yeah, he's a legend. The guy is known all over the world. I'm not the biggest soccer fan in the world. I'm pretty sure Naomi knows more than I do. But <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but I know Messi. Like you know the good guy. You know the guys that are really good. Yes. That's the whole thing. Messi is that guy. I mean, him and like Kobe Bryant are, like best friends. I don't know. They, every time they see each other, they're like hugging and embracing. Right. And, you know, he's, he was at the Laker games. Kobe gave him a jersey. He gave Kobe a jersey. It's like that. You know, Kobe's that type of guy that has weird friends. And when I say weird friends, it's not people that you would expect. Mm-hmm. You know, like who's Kobe's friend? It's not. You know, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a random Laker. It's not obviously it's not Shaq. Right. But it's not Brian Shaw. It's not his best friend. You know, Derek Fisher. Him and they're cool, but they're not best friends. But him and Messi, best friends. Him and Nadal. Best friends. Like, you know what I mean? Like, how does that happen? How does that happen? That's just me from, a, you know, an outsider's point of view. But anyway, Messi announced his retirement after a crushing loss yesterday to Chile in the Copa tournament, knocking uh, knocking his team out. And my whole thing is that I'm going to play some of what he said. But please, please, let's remember here, he doesn't speak English. So I'm going to play a couple of clips and I'm going to translate exactly what he says. So I'm going to do my best translating on the fly. Good. <laughs> this is the first time I've ever done this, okay? On live radio, I'm going to translate this on the fly to understand why Messi, what he was saying actually in his whole retirement speech. Okay? I'm ready for this. I'm, I'm ready. I've been practicing. I'm, just, I'm ready for this whole situation to happen. And um, as always, you're going to take your calls, 516-900-2278. Just um, hit us up and let us know what you think. Now, the other thing that um that really just stuck out to me in regards to this whole USA men's basketball thing, and uh, we'll jump into that whole segment when we come back from the break, is that Coach K, this is his last go around as a head coach. I don't know if you knew that already. Like no. this is last head this is his last go. Coach K looks like he's a young guy. He's about a million years old. I don't know <laughs> if you knew about this. Coach K was old back when Grant Hill was a freshman at Duke. Yeah. <laughs> so let's put this. His his hair is jet black because he uses the good stuff. Right. But uh, he's uh he's been around the block one too many million times. So you got that whole situation. You know, Carmelo Anthony going for a fourth time. Those are big things I think needed to really be pointed out there. So, yeah. You know, shout out to them. This may be the list of their last runs right here. I just, I just can't see either one of them coming back. And I'm a little disappointed Kobe didn't decide to come back when he was struggling looking for guards and forwards. <laughs> this is could, this could have been awesome for Kobe to come back for this, just just for the Olympics, right? Right. That that's what I was. Would thinking have been about. interesting to see, but his body is battered. It's battered, yeah, but he's Kobe Bryant. He could just you know he, he knows Messi. That's when you know Messi, you can do things. It's like it's it's all about that. So um, you know, I'm going to look at it from that point of view. Um, real quick, how was your weekend? Was it like very uh, sportsy weekend? You had a lot of things going on or no? I told you I have the attention span of a four year old. I already forgot my my weekend, <laughs> so it wasn't it wasn't anything eventful. She had the attention span. Now, the reason why I say because I saw the BET Awards yesterday, and that to me is like become an event every. Yes, summer. how about the fact that it, it was on MTV and was it on Nickelodeon? Yes, it was on Nickelodeon, which was actually the next thing I was going to say. Nick Cannon? Uh, no, no, Viacom. Viacom, Viacom right, was on yeah. all Viacom networks. It was on Spike TV. It was on MTV One and Two. Right. Um, it was on VH One. 
It's on everything. So my thing is, if you're a, uh, you know, uh, how can I say this? Nickelodeon is for kids most of the time. At night they show, you know, older programming, but Nickelodeon kind of caters to a different audience. It doesn't cater to an African American urban audience. It just doesn't. Exactly. So, with that being said, you're, uh, you know, you just want to tune in and watch some uh, SpongeBob, and you have. Designer. designer going, you know, panda, 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 not making sense to half the song. And Very interesting. A lot of kids went to sleep early <laughs> last night. They, they went to sleep early. They had uh, some little, you know, I, I don't know how I explain it. <laughs> there was some, especially with Janelle Monet, who I, I love, by the way. I'm a big Janelle Monet fan for more than one reason. She performed um, her rendition of like a Prince tribute. Mm-hmm. And she actually had the prince, you know, when he had his um, his pants behind, out, behind yeah. out. She had that out. Oh wow, really? See, yes. I missed that. Yes, it was a. Uh, it, oh it's gosh, classic. That's that's the best way I could describe <laughs> that situation. But um, you know, what, what do you do? What do you do right there if you're a parent and you turn Nickelodeon? That's what you see. That's. I'll probably be a little bit upset, especially you know, people. Non-African-American parents were probably caught off guard. I don't know if they, I would say they were upset, but they were definitely caught off guard because nobody's expecting that. Nickelodeon might have been a, a push from Viacom. I think it was probably too much. Yeah, I think it was. Even if yeah. even the MTV Awards, it has nothing to do with it being BET Awards. Any award show for the culture, pop culture, urban culture, mm-hmm. to be on Nickelodeon is way too intense. Uh, Yeah. Kids' Choice Awards, yes, duh. Yeah, Kids' Choice Awards, you could do that, but uh, Nickelodeon, I don't know. Just you know, I'm just the certain the certain levels of things you just don't cross, and that was one of them. Right. So, uh, yeah. Don't know whose whose idea that was. I mean, like in within the staff of Viacom, but I don't think it was quite a good one. I think they got their their point across. I mean, for the fact that Beyonce did perform early, so. Beyonce performed and she left right after and she that. She left right she after. She went. She went around the plane, got all her twenty dances, and left. Right, exactly. I love how she travels with her dances, like they're accessories. They're like, okay, y'all guys, let's go. Like, exactly. And they don't talk to nobody. They showed them on the red carpet. They didn't say nothing. They just kept walking, like and they were in formation, literally. I know. She has them like an it's all army. Too much for me. It's. <laughs> it's just all too much for me. She's Beyonce. She can do whatever she wants. <laughs> and with that being said, we're going to step aside for a break. You're listening to Sports Social at Easton here on Soundcast FM. I never meant to call you. Purple rain, purple rain, purple 
just an emotional um, time for me. Um, Chicago um, is more than just like a home. Like it, it grew me into the man that I am today. Um, all my family and friends are, are back there. Um, that's one of the reasons why I, why I will um, change my number to 25. It's like I'm, I'm playing in New York, but I want to bring something from Chicago with me out here. And that's one of the reasons why I um, chose number 25. It hurt a little bit, but at the end of the day, um, my life is out of my hands. I know everything is out of my control. The only thing I could do is just prep myself um, to become great. Um, just like being getting traded here. When I wasn't here, I was working out in, in um, L.A. been working out for the last couple of weeks. And um, you never know what's going to happen in this business, you know. Um, I got traded. It's the first time I ever got traded. But um, it's no ground hold on any grudges with the, the front office or anybody from Chicago. Um, I loved all the teammates that I played with when I was back there. Um, of course, it hurt, like, being away from my son. But um, he'll understand um, this move one day once he get older. I really haven't really thought into it as far as like how I would want to play with them, like pick and roll or um, the type of, of tempo type game I would want to play with them. Um, I'll let the coach and the coaching staff do all that. But as far as like coming in here and with the mindset of winning, like I just want to win, man. That's the only thing I want to do. Um, I know it's going to be a lot of pressure. People don't try to put a lot of pressure on us. Like, it's no pressure at all. All we got to do is just go out there, play together, and um, win games, one by, one game at a time. I feel like I'm great right now. Um, where I came from, I mean, as far as, like, getting through my rehabs and just having the opportunity to just play basketball, I feel like that's the only thing I was missing these last couple of years was my rhythm. I was strong. I felt like my body was strong. Um, you go through the season, you get nagging injuries, but 
I felt like um, my body held up. And um, this summer, it's all about conditioning and catching that rhythm again. I'm staying on the court. I just want to play. Um, if I go out there and just hope that I can stay out there two games, like, it's no point in doing that. Um, when I step on the floor, I'm just trying to win that game, play as hard as I can, and that's all I could do. But as far as, like, putting an expectation or trying to see or trying to find out how many games I play a year, there's no point in doing that. I don't want to jinx myself. Um, with all the, the attention and all the congratulations that I got here, I, I hope I'll be able to play the rest of my um, career here. But like I said, this is a business. Um, I guess we'll have to see how this one year go, but um, I'm putting my all into this. Um, I've been working my butt off as far as um, my work ethic, and um, we will have to see. Um, I feel like I'm close, but me sitting up here and saying it, that's not going to do anything. Next year, I want to let my game speak for itself. Uh, like I said, I've been preparing, my, I've been preparing myself. Um, I felt like last last year I was prepared. I, I ended well. This year is I um, adding on top of that. I trying to sharpen my game a little bit more. Look at the areas where I wasn't that efficient and see if I could make it. Um, make them efficient this year and um, just learning from my mistakes. That's what it's all about learning and adapting and I think I'm the talent or one of the talents in the league that can adapt to the game. It still still don't feel real. Um, driving in and just seeing my name on the billboard or seeing my picture on the billboard or um, on the screen outside of the building, it kind of blew me away a little bit like it probably really don't hit me until I step on the floor and um, I actually have a jersey on. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I did. Hell yeah, I did. I can't lie. Um, but um, everybody's different. I can't tell that man to walk away from the X amount of dollars that he would have um, walked away from. He has a family. Um, he has kids. He he wants his kids to be comfortable and have a consistent way of living instead of traveling and all that. So I understand that part. But um, it's funny how things work itself out. Work is um, yeah, work itself out. And um, I'm just happy to be here. I'm happy to be playing alongside of someone that I believe is a dog, just like how I am, and willing to win and doing, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to win. So I'm grateful. I'm appreciative, and I can't wait. All right, so that was uh, Derek Rose during his uh, press conference. Some of the some of the best parts of his press conference um, introduce introduction to the New York Knicks, showing about the number twenty five and you know what he plans on doing and bringing to the team and his uh, thoughts about playing with Carmelo Anthony. Um, Eddie Easton once again here with Naomi Gray. So, what did you take from what he was talking about? Do you feel like this guy is ready? Like he just has that confidence back in him? Yeah, I definitely feel like he seem he seems motivated to get back in and you know make a difference. You know, every time an athlete changes their number, I feel like it just symbolizes new beginnings. Obviously, and I think he's really ready for this. Like you said earlier, he does only have that one year deal, and he's trying to get that max contract. So he needs to show out when he's when he does play for the Knicks. And I think he's looking forward to proving people wrong because there are a lot of people who are just like he's washed up he he won't be the same great player that he was before and you know I feel like it's definitely very possible for any former MVP to go out there and prove people wrong I mean 
being getting that award says says a lot about you being a MVP of the National Basketball Association. Like you have more than enough potential to go out there and prove people wrong and show what you're capable of. Definitely is going to take him a lot to get to that point, but I think he seems very confident. Not overly confident, but just the right amount. Definitely. And, uh, you know, he's definitely an overconfident person. I mean, for the simple fact that the guy was the MVP, like you said, and he was a key member of the uh, future of USA Basketball. Speaking of USA Basketball, we all know the whole situation now. The team is set. Mm -hmm. We know who the 2016 roster is. I'm going to go through it real quick. Um, Obviously, I'll start off with the forwards. You got Carmelo Anthony, Harrison Barnes, Kevin Durant, Paul George, Draymond Green. Uh, also at guard, we got um, Jimmy Butler, DeMar DeRozan, Kyrie Irving, Kyle Lowry, and um, what am I forgetting now? DeMarcus oh, Cousins. Thompson. Clay oh. Thompson at guard. The uh, two centers are DeMarcus Cousins yeah. and uh, and we got Jordan from uh, the Clippers. So. 12 men. Yeah, finally got 12 men. I think about 20 didn't want to do it. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this this squad as it is? You got these 12 players. They're still good. Still good. They're still a group, good group. Yeah. But are they going to be as dominant? That's the big question. I mean, reports are saying that they still have a very good shot at getting the gold medal because, I mean, they are just the USA men's basketball Olympic team. You know, that title within its own, you can't do no wrong. You're definitely, you know, more then eligible to get the gold medal. But just hearing these names together on the same roster as Olympic team, it's new to me. It's very different. I'm not sure what to expect as far as dominance. It's, you know, a lot of players with different styles and, you know, seeing how they mesh together on one court is going to be interesting. And, you know, only two two players are returning from that 2012 roster. So it's just, you know, showing that times are changing. You know, every four years is just going to be a newer generation to, you know, get out there and dominate. I would have loved to see Russell Westbrook back. I would have loved, loved, loved to see LeBron James back. But, you know, we have to remember that a lot of them are, you know, were far into the postseason and it's exhausting on their body as well. And like you said, it's no off season, So I guess I just kind of got to deal without seeing those players play. But I'm looking forward to see Draymond Green, you know, playing on that level. Mm-hmm. You know, he was obviously a great big force in the postseason for the Warriors and in the regular season. So I would like to see him on that Olympic stage and see what he can do. I'm looking forward to seeing him play. I I am looking forward to seeing Draymond Green play and seeing how he's going to be used with Coach K. Mm-hmm. The uh, thing that I'm looking at with this team, obviously, the two captains are going to be Carmelo Anthony and Kevin Durant because they have won gold before back in 2012. And obviously, Anthony won before that as well. Right. So you're looking at this team, and Harrison Barnes sticks out like a sore thumb. He does. <laughs> is this something where the NBA or you know just his agent is really pushed for to make sure he made this team to give him like an extra hope of Absolutely. building his resume heading into free agency? Definitely, definitely. Like you know, like we discussed his his not so good performance in the playoffs. Like he has a lot to make up for, and I feel like if he does go to the Olympics and really shows out and makes an impact on, you know, where the team does get, I think it'll do really good for him during free agency. He needs that extra boost, and I think it was a good move by his agents and everybody else to try to give him that boost because, I mean, there is such thing, I wouldn't want to call it a second chance, but kind of is like one, you know, for him to go out there and play. And we all know he's capable of being an excellent player. He does what he does, and he does it well sometimes. So hmm. <laughs> I think it's definitely a good ex- like a good move by him and his team. But am I, like, guaranteed, like, for sure he's going to do amazing in the Olympics? That pressure is not there. 
you know, it is just the Olympics. Even though a gold medal is at stake, that pressure for him isn't there. So it's, I don't know. I don't know how it's, it could go either way. He could either not make that big of an impact or he could just really go out there and show out. But if, like, if he does go out there and do a brilliant job at the Olympics, will people really be like, wow, he's a great Olympic basketball player. Like, he did a great performance, and now maybe he has a gold medal. Like, was that really going to change, you know, people's thoughts of him? I looked at it this way. I felt like every year they always have to have a college player, it seems like, or that guy that just graduated and is going to uh, play in the pros. Mm -hmm. He's kind of fitting that mold of that 12th guy. Yeah. Let's be honest. He's that guy that, yes, he's he on paper he makes sense because he's a he's a tall guy, very versatile, can play different positions. He's the type of person you want to have at the end of that bench. Now, everybody, you know, coming off the, the horrible finals that he had, especially those last uh, what, five games, it was terrible. What does this do moving forward? Does he really help the team? No. I, I don't think he is a, you know, a help. I don't think he's a factor, period, going to be honest wow. with you. I don't okay. think he hurts or helps the team. I I think this is something that is helping him out in just finding his whole free agency lane and where what team will be interested in him. Just saying that he's played with great players because some people can't say that, you know? Yeah, like building his resume in a way, the that experience. Builds, that builds his resume. I, I'm more interested in some of the other guys, like, for example, DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry because they would have made the team if Russell Westbrook, Chris Paul, and uh, James Harden and all those players were on the team. They exactly. don't make the team, let's yeah, be honest. definitely not. So... What type of players are we going to get from them? Like, are, is, are we going to get the Kyle Lowry that was the MVP candidate the first half of the season? The same thing with DeMar DeRozan. We're going to get the consistent DeMar DeRozan that's going to shoot a good field goal percentage? I think we will because, like I said, the pressure is not there, you know. They don't really have – they do have much to lose because there are obviously a lot of li- eyes watching them, but I don't think that pressure is there. I don't think – and I think that's what we've seen with um, Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan in the playoffs that cracking under pressure. Like, they had a really good – half going like when they were playing against the heat they mm-hmm. were showing some of their best numbers during that time showing i feel like but then when it cracked down to the pressure they slipped up so now playing on the olympic level you're not going to have that pressure so there's no reason to slip up you're not going to have you know the the roster is not that intimidating the people you're surrounded by isn't that intimidating i feel like it's going to be a pretty good level for them to go out and excel yeah i couldn't see i could not see why they wouldn't you know, put on a great performance in the Olympics. There's no there's no pressure there. And I think that's what, like I said, I think they were cracking under pressure during the postseason. And I, I think that's one of the biggest things. You know, I still feel like the Olympics may not be the NBA playoffs. It may not be all eyes on you because you're not the main players there. But this type of roster, Kevin Durant is the main guy. Mm-hmm. You, got Car- you got Carmelo Anthony as the veteran. But this team is full of players that have a lot to prove. DeMarcus Cousins has to prove that he could play with a level head. Right. That's his main thing. He's exactly. talented, probably the most talented player on that roster, including Durant. I still believe DeMarcus Cousins' full talent is amazing. The guy can shoot, can do all these different things down low, the best post player in the NBA by far. But his hope has always been his problem is, you know, getting in his head. That's always been his thing. Mm-hmm. Is DeAndre Jordan an elite center? Like, these are things that have to be answered, you know? <laughs> Jimmy Butler. Are you ready to be the main guy in Chicago? But yeah, are you ready to be the only guy in, in Chicago? Chicago? You know, like these, all these guys that are in there have question marks. Every single last one None of them. None of them really have left their mark completely yet. No. Clay Thompson, are you a guy that can be counted on? We saw what happened in the finals. Exactly. You got a hot one game and you disappeared the next. Right. You know, there's no, there's no stuff there. Let's see what Clay Thompson's about. Mm-hmm. Draymond Green, same thing. 
Can I you think, keep, keep yourself under control? Yeah, exactly. I was just about to say that. Like, he's not going to be put in a position where he should be wilding on anybody. No. I would like to feel like. Um, so I think he's going to be, like, the player to watch. Like, I think he's going to really prove a lot in this in the Olympics. I think he's going to be very exciting to watch, and I think he will keep his cool. If he doesn't, then I'm just, I'm really tired of him. I, I, like, wow, okay. If, if he doesn't, like, if he plays so... I won't want to say dirty, but if he just plays in that type of manner that we've seen in the finals, I'm going to be very disappointed in him, especially on the Olympic stage. Like, you can't. Yeah. That's not. To. I'm going to expect that he won't do that because there's no reason for him to be doing that. So I feel like he's going to be very exciting to watch. And I feel like we're going to get a lot from him. Okay, last person that I do want to take a put the spotlight on, and he's actually the guy that has still has a question mark, but not because he did a he, you know he he played badly or whatever. Kyrie Irving, yeah, he's on his team. Kyrie Irving, are you an elite point guard? That's the question now that that's really out there. You went and you basically you took out the the top point guard the last two years in Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. Are you? A top point guard. That's the question that we have for Kyrie Irving. There's no Chris Paul there. There's no Russell Westbrook there. You're the guy. Right. The spotlight's going to be on him completely, and we're going to see if he could handle that pressure. Because he, I feel, he's in the position to be, you know, having a lot of pressure on him. Because like you just said, we're not going to see the Russell Westbrook. We're not going to see the Chris Paul. So he's that guy who's going to really have to show out at that position just so people could kind of, you know, look at him and say... He's he's it. He's it. He's the future, you know? Because he's, he's still young. He's 24 years, what, 24 years old, I believe? Yeah, he's 24 so, years old. you know, his first Olympic game, lots of pressure on him to go and carry out that position. I don't think he's going to let us down. Like, all the pressure that was on him in the finals and those last few games and the way he showed out, he's somebody else I'm definitely looking forward to seeing. You, you definitely have a lot of faith in him. Yeah. You know, I'm just, I'm still... I'm still not 100% really? with it, only because I, I just I need to see it in a, how can I say it? I want to see it in a more of a um, heavy dosage. I want to see all of this all the time. I don't want to be surprised Like consistency anymore. is what consistency. you're saying. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't want to be surprised. That I want to see with growth. Drew all the time. Yeah. That's what I want to see. That comes with growth, the consistency. It comes with growth. And I feel like he's put himself in a position where he has a lot of growing up to do. You know, they're going to be playing those exhibition games throughout, so we're going to be able to see what he's capable of with this team early out. So we'll definitely get back to this conversation. But I think I think good things are going to come from him and Draymond and obviously expected Durant. Carmelo, oh, no. Oh, hey, let's just show Carmelo some love here. <laughs> Carmelo has a lot to prove, too. Carmelo needs to prove that he has more than just one knee and that he's not going to be, you know, fading superstar like he is in reality. That's what I, I said. Carmelo. I don't know what to ask. I saying. I don't know what he's going to... I mean, he has that captain. This was a veteran. I don't know if he's really going to... Listen. I don't know. Carmelo, I'm riding with you, man. That's all I got to tell you, all right? You don't have to worry <laughs> about nothing, okay? You got... You can just do your thing overseas, you know, win that gold medal because we got the Knicks. Phil's putting a team around you. You got Derrick Rose speaking. We may get Durant. You're supposed to be... His job... Part of Carmelo's job is to convince Durant to play with him in New York. That's part of his job, so... He's undercover. That's the re- that's the reason why Carmelo's under. I know the deal. Trust me. It's all good. It's uh, all good. Spend that extra time with him, whispering his air a bit. Hey, hey nothing nothing wrong with that. <laughs> what we gonna do is step aside for a break. Here, let's support social Eddie Easton here on Southcast FM. She's a very kinky 
I want to first uh, ask for some opening comments from the two. Ben, why don't you start? Um, first off, I'm, thank you. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. Uh, last night was a blur, and, you know, I'm, it's surreal. It's surreal, honestly. Uh, I'm glad I'm here and uh, I'm ready to get to work. Uh, I'm here. I'm so happy. I I just feel this this night this night last night like uh, maybe the best day of my life, and uh, I I just can't wait to to be on the court and just to play and and show that everybody that can I can play. Okay. So thank you. Can you just explain how how you feel coming full circle? You know, your father played for Brett Brown. And it's, now you have that yeah. opportunity. I think it's uh, very special. You know, it, this doesn't happen at all. You know, this is very rare, uh, especially knowing Brett. I feel very comfortable coming in and playing for him. So I think, you know, perfect timing, uh, and I'm in the right situation. When I arrived and I saw everything about the organization of the NBA and everything, I, I was just uh, uh, surprised how it was, uh, um, how to say, really professional and I'm, so, I'm just glad to be here and to get, take part in this. I'm the type of player who can uh, be put anywhere on the court and you know, contribute. So uh, for me, uh, as a point forward, you can put me in the one uh, through five, uh, defensively and offensively. Ben, uh, obviously with LSU and, and not making the tournament, and uh, what, what do you think you learned from that season? You had some good personal stats, but maybe the team didn't do as well. What did you learn from that? How did you grow from that, and how can it help you at this next level? Playing through adversity, definitely. Uh, you know, nothing goes right all the time, so uh, you got to learn to play through certain situations, and, you know, we did that. Uh, we definitely got through it uh, as a team. You know, those guys were my brothers. So, um, no, I think going into next season, I'll be prepared for anything. I'm excited. Uh, it's, it's a blessing to have, uh, you know, my name called. Um, just, just being there was amazing. But, um, you know, I've, I've got a lot of pressure, but, you know, I'm kind of used to it. Uh, but I'm looking forward to just getting to work. As long as I work hard, I think that's all I can ask for myself. How would you describe the player you see yourself becoming in the NBA? Uh, point forward, definitely. Um, I'm not sure, you know, how good I'll be, but you know, as long as I'm putting in the work, uh, I believe I can be uh, a very good player. But uh, you know, I think it's going to take a lot of effort. You know, being around LeBron and seeing how hard those guys work, uh, it definitely motivates me a lot. Ben, can you talk about how much your dad has helped you out? We've heard a lot about his game plan in uh, Australia and how you got started in basketball, and then also how much he's helped you off the court as well. A lot. You know, I go to him with uh, a lot of things that I need advice on, uh, basketball-wise, life-wise. He's been through it all. Um, definitely playing in Australia, I think he's helped me mold my game into what it is now, uh, being that point forward and, and always allowing me to experiment on the court. So, you know, he's, he's my role model. So I think, uh, you know, anything I need, you know, he's got me. How has playing internationally influenced both of your games? You want to start? Uh, I play in inter international uh, leagues all uh, all my career, so it's now three years I play I play over, uh, over there. So uh, for me, the only experience I have and is the it's a new experience for uh, for a team, and that's what I want to bring here uh, the experience of an international game, and that's it. 
Okay. I believe uh, for me playing back home um, is just much different. Uh, the athleticism over here is much higher, but I think uh, basketball IQ in Australia is something you need to have. So you learn the fundamentals first before anything, and you learn how to play as a team. Um, and that's what I'm really excited about uh, coming here. We have a lot of guys that are you know, from different places, and I think we'll mold well. I just want to talk to you about, and, and can you explain, you went to Mount Verdon, and then you went to LSU, and then you signed with Clutch Sports, you know, and, every, and now you're the number one pick. You've always been in that bright spotlight. What does that mean to you, and, and how do you handle that on a daily basis? Uh, it's, a, it's a lot of responsibility. Um, you know, a lot comes with it, but you know, I'm used to it now. Uh, I enjoy it. Uh, some sometimes you know it's a bit hard, but you know it's part of the job. And uh, you know I'm I'm loving what I do. Uh, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else, so I'm enjoying it. Uh, talking with LeBron last night or texting with him, um, and you obviously you know look to him for a lot of things. What's the best advice that he has given you going through all of this, especially being a number one draft pick in a big city like this? I think just uh, enjoy it. You know, it happens once in a lifetime for me. Obviously, uh, you know, that that will never happen again. So I enjoyed the time. I enjoyed everything that was going on and, and keep working. Honestly, uh, you know, it's not over. I'm, I'm back at the bottom now, so I got to keep working. And uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, doing something special with this team. All right, that was uh, Ben Simmons. He was talking a lot about his thoughts in regards to, you know, his his place in the draft. Uh, this was during the press conference the day after he was drafted number one. And uh, he spoke to the Philadelphia media. I was going to support social with Eddie. So you got Miss Naomi Gray here. So, uh, Naomi, Ben Simmons, number one pick, NBA draft this year. What do you expect from a guy that, you know, let's be honest, he has all the, all the physical gifts, about 6'10", can handle the ball. He says he wants to play point forward, has that kind of LeBron James mentality. Do you think he's the guy that turns around the Philadelphia 76ers? I... I don't know. For some reason, I'm not getting that vibe from him. I didn't follow him much in his college career. I'm just following him basically off of the attention he's been getting going number one. So I don't know if he's if he's the guy, but, you know, he could be molded into that type of person. There just is just so much ahead of him. Like he said, he's starting on at the bottom. You go from being this big person in college to... The, the smallest little person in the in the world of the NBA, you know? Yeah. So it's like you have a huge statement to make. So I'm happy that he didn't go in saying, like, yo, I'm going to change it. I'm, I am the new guy for the Sixers. I'm the Allen Iver. Like, you know, like he didn't go in doing all of that because everybody, the media kind of hyped up the idea that the last time the Sixers had the number one pick, they drafted Allen Iverson. Could this guy beat him? You know, it's two two different type of vibes I'm getting. He doesn't seem as aggressive. You know, he could – he does – from what the reports are saying, that he is versatile, he could, you know, play that position and do it well. But it takes a lot than just one guy to change it around. I don't think he is that guy. I think mm-hmm. he will, you know, put up some good numbers in his first season and stuff like that. But I don't know if he'll if he's the guy who's going to change them around. You got to remember they're they're at the bottom of the barrel as a team. You know, like you have to. That's something people got to remember about these first round draft picks. Like they're going to the worst teams in the NBA. And it's like so much rebuilding those teams have to do to get to some type of decent level. This one guy's not going to do it. And this is true, but you, you look at it this way. He's going to be under the tutelage of LeBron James. He's, you know, he's part of his management now. Yeah. And LeBron's been speaking to him on a regular basis. I don't know if that helps or hurts the situation, but 
You're talking definitely about provides that guidance. Oh, he's definitely guidance because this is a guy going into a situation where everybody expects him to turn around a horrible franchise. This is a team that won ten games last year. So, you know, you got him there. You you have the uh situation like um Timothy uh Luata, who's also the other draft pick mm-hmm. in the first round. He uh he's from the French national team, the guy great player as well. Um I, I look at Ben Simmons and the and the first thing I think about him is that he has if you watch him play a lot of LeBron James type of movements, but he doesn't have the aggressiveness and the power that LeBron does possess at an early age. Let's be honest, his rookie year, LeBron was throwing it down on people. I don't know if Ben Simmons is that type of player. I think that he has a great jump, not really a great jump shot, but a decent jump shot. I think that he can grab rebounds, he can push the floor, nice ball handling ability, can pass the ball very well. Definitely number one pick. There's no, no, no question about that. But is he the type of player to make everyone else around him better. Exactly. That's the big question. And that's the thing you see with LeBron James, especially at an early age. Like, that's what you have to remember. Yes, having that high basketball IQ is, is it's definitely important, but you need to have that aggressiveness. You need to have that power, like you mentioned. Like, it, it's a whole package you have to have. You can't have pieces of the puzzle. Yeah. You know, you have to have that full on athleticism the the mind game has to be in there your your effects on others have to be there it's like just a whole package you have to have and i don't know we have to see more from him especially at this level in the nba you know see what he could do during the summer see you know hear what reports are saying about him just because things can change you know what i mean they make these big deals about these number one draft picks in the nba and the nfl Mm -hmm. and they have a downfall in their first season. It's, it's the risk you take at the end of the day. Godly play, you have to take those he's risks. He's a one-and-done player. One-and-done right. player. Um, if there wasn't a one-and-done rule, he'd be like most of these other players coming straight out of high, high school. school. But, you know, that's what they wanted to stop. So you look at him, and he he's not from here. That's a big thing people got to remember. You know, the yeah. guy, you know, Australia. He was talking about playing for the Australian national team. That's a big difference. I feel like when you got players that play international, they, they have a different feel for the game. You know what I'm saying? Now, one of my big things with Ben Simmons, and and this goes to like I guess what a lot of people say, is he a winner? The guy didn't win in college. They mm-hmm. didn't make the tournament in college. You gotta yeah. remember that. That's that's bad. They didn't make a postseason tournament. You're number one pick, consensus best player in college basketball, and your team doesn't win. Mm-hmm. That to me should speak. That should speak volumes over anything else he does. Yeah. Because aren't you alarmed by that? If he's gone, he he hasn't experienced winning in, at the college level. Most of these guys are number one picks. I've experienced some type of winning. This guy exactly. didn't. He didn't make the tournament. So now you got to look at his character issues. You heard about him not going to class. We heard about this heavy during his one year at LSU. What do we expect with this guy discipline-wise? Yes, knowing Brent Brown, his dad playing for Brent Brown as well, is a big deal. So it might be a different respect issue there. But you can't feel too great about a guy that didn't win at the college level. That's my opinion. Exactly. And these guys at these ages, they're going to do what they want to do, you know, and that's another thing when it comes to being disciplined. That's a huge thing as being a leader on the team to be able to change something around. If you're not disciplined, I won't put my I won't bank on you to to change a franchise and to make that impact. I can't if you're not disciplined like that. That says a lot about a player. It does. It definitely does. And it's going to be one of those. It's going to be a process. I think a lot of um, 76 er fans and I know plenty of them. Trust me out of Philly. They're excited. You have a reason to be excited, but you also got to be patient and go with your whole mantra, your whole uh, slogan, as it was for the last couple of years. And you know what that's been, right? 
It's been called Trust the Process. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it's been called. So yeah. you have to continue to trust the process for at least another year before this team is real com- really competitive. Mm-hmm. You need a f- another free agent. You need pieces around this guy. Yeah. You can't just show up there with, you know, the random uh, 15, 10-day contract players and think that it's going to work. Exactly. It's just not going that to work. Exactly. You have to throw some other things around this guy and, and really give him a chance out there. That's, mm-hmm. that's really what it is. But uh, a real quick thing that I want to say about the draft, just seeing the different teams and um, you know some of the picks that were made, I said the best draft by far are the Minnesota Timberwolves. You're talking about a team that picked up Chris Dunn, who can quite arguably be the number two pick in this draft. I think he's the second best college player in the draft, period. He went number five. Number five to Minnesota at a point guard position where now you're putting him, and this is me just thinking right now, you're putting Chris Dunn as your starting point guard. Andrew Wiggins is your two. Mm-hmm. You're probably going to have a power forward, uh, Kevin Garnett. You know, may, you might do that. Shabazz Muhammad at the three. But at center, you got Carl Anthony Towns. Their starting lineup. And then you still got Levine, who you could plug in as a two, as a one, that you could, you know, switch it around a little bit. You got Rubio still who may be traded, in my opinion. There are options here for this Minnesota team. You got Tom Thibodeau, great coach, and he's the executive. I'm be honest with you. I'm picking them as my number two team. I'm a Knicks fan. That's my number one team. But I really like Minnesota. They look like a lot of fun. Exactly. And the the, the talent with their, with their young players is just, like, incredible. Oh, yeah. Like, they're a team that has, like, when you look at young players, all those names you mentioned, it's like, they're at the top of the class when it comes to that next generation. Like, Yeah, and you still got an old guy like Kevin Garnett. It's, it's, it's weird me calling Kevin Garnett the old guy now, but he is. I mean, that's how much I, that's what I've known him as. <laughs> you know, I remember when he was a rookie, but it's like, you know, he's the, he's teaching these guys, as the old man here, teaching them how to win. That's why Kevin Garnett is there. He's not there just to take up space. He'll mm-hmm. give you starting lineup 10 minutes a game in the starting lineup. That, I'm fine with that because he's teaching the rest of them to come out with aggression early. Right. Garnett is not, he's, trust me, he's like a fourth of what he used to be. Mm-hmm. But that's all you need for a team like this. You cannot have all these young guys just governing themselves. It right. doesn't work that way. Right. So having Kevin Garnett there, the old man, he's won a title, he's done it all. He's been an MVP, a multiple-time All-Star, Star. one of the greatest players to ever play the game. Yes, it's important to have him on this team still. Right, that mentorship. Mentorship is huge. Um, I look at them, and I, and I have to take a look at the worst team, like I was saying, the uh, Boston Celtics. Celtics, horrible job. You try to tell me you have eight picks, and then you go with Jalen Brown at number three? Now, nothing against Jalen Brown and his family that could be listening or could not be listening, but he's a good player, but he ain't, he's not top five worthy. I mean, I, I think even he knew that, because he was like, when he got drafted, he's like, wow, I'm just surprised. Yeah, yeah me too. <laughs> I'm watching. I'm, they, I'm not a Celtics fan. All, every Celtics fan I know is like, what is Danny H thinking? Right. So you're like, okay, you know what? The first pick, you, you screw that up, but we still got seven picks to go here. And I'm looking at the number, some of the names they got. They got the guy Jackson from um, from Notre Dame. Thought he was a good pick. Got him in the second round. That was the only other good pick I thought they had. Every other pick was a stash player, an international player where you just pick up and you stash. And you know why a lot of teams do this, right? No. The rule is, if you could draft an international player, you own their rights. Oh, right. But they still have the contract overseas. Mm-hmm. So because they have the contract overseas, they don't necessarily have to come over. If they don't come over, guess what happens? You don't have to pay them. Yeah. But you own their rights if they ever decide to come over. It's, <laughs> it's, that's the thing. Because uh, I think the Minnesota Timberwolves, if you remember, did this with Ricky Rubio. 
He took him two years to come over. He got drafted the same year as Steph Curry, but it took him until 2011 to actually come over to Minnesota. And then they decided to start paying him. Yeah. So now, I don't know the plan. I thought if you're the Celtics, flip those picks for a veteran. There's yeah. got to be teams that are begging for draft picks, and you can pick up a veteran from them. You can steal somebody from them. They didn't take full advantage of the opportunities they had. It's it's crazy. Now, I know they want Gordon Hayward really bad. There's no secret about that. They want Gordon Hayward. Did you try to tell me there wasn't a package in the world that could have worked <laughs> to get Gordon Hayward from Utah? They wanted to have this whole reunion with him and um, Brad Stevens, Gordon Hayward from Butler, Brad Stevens, former coach of Butler. They had a great relationship there. They want to bring that over to Boston, so I completely understand it. Come on, Celtics. Come on, Danny Angie. You're better than that. You're better than that. That's just ridiculous to me. But um, uh, another quick note I want to say, I love what the Brooklyn Nets did. And it's hard for me to say that as a Knicks fan. <laughs> I know Danny Classe is listening, but I really got to agree. I, I, bringing him Isaiah Whitehead, huge. Yeah. Because your team is not going to be good. But now you sold tickets because Brooklyn's going to come out and see Isaiah Whitehead play. Yeah, the first like first play from Brooklyn to play for that franchise since his move to Brooklyn, like that's a big deal. And everybody wants to watch the product of Brooklyn. Like oh, you know, yeah. everybody wants to see what he has, what he's capable of doing on that NBA platform. So it's it's a big deal. I think that was a great move, especially you know for him. Like it has to be crazy exciting to yes. you know. Come from playing at Lincoln High School, one of the best schools with the one of the best PSA schools in the basketball program. And Stephon Marbury, you know, Sebastian Telfair, you talk about the exactly. names go on and on. Yep, Lance Stevenson as yeah. well. It's it's a huge deal. It's it's very it was very like nice to see that for him and his family and just you know I think it's just amazing that a player from Brooklyn gets to play for the Brooklyn Nets. It, it definitely is, and I'm proud. Yeah, as a Brooklyn resident my whole life, I am proud. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. I'm going to see what this guy can really do for the Nets. Yeah, um, and that's that's really what it comes down to. So I'm I'm really excited for him. And who knows? Nets probably win 20 games. You never know. It could, it could happen. <laughs> I mean, they're still not going to be good. Brooklyn Nets, but they're still not. Gonna yeah, be let's good. be real. Let's be real, okay? And we're also going to uh, take a break. You're listening to Sports Social with Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM. You know, I was I was wondering, you know. Could keep on because the force has got a lot of power and it makes me feel like a, it, it makes me feel like
cuatro finales la que la que me toca eh, perder, la que nos toca eh, perder, tres seguidas, la verdad que, que es una lástima, pero tiene que ser así, no, no se da y, y lo intentamos, lo buscamos y, y ya está. Es un momento para estar más fuerte que nunca, eh, recuerdo la salida de lo que fue el, la caminata por, por zona mixta en Chile, que Estabas acá abajo, no, no querías hablar. Hoy saliste con, con la cabeza en alto. Es un momento para pensar ya en las eliminatorias. Rusia queda demasiado lejos. ¿Qué pasa por tu cabeza? Es eh, difícil. Eh, como dije recién, es un momento duro para analizar. Lo primero que se me viene y, y lo pensaba en el vestuario eh, que ya está. Se terminó para mí la selección. Ya... Como dije recién, son cuatro finales, eh, no es para mí. <risa> Lamentablemente lo busqué, eh, era lo que más deseaba. No se me dio, pero, pero creo que ya está. ¿Es una decisión tomada? Creo que sí, no sé. All right, so uh, that was Lionel Messi talking about retiring at the age of 29 from international play without winning a major championship. And um, obviously, like I said, I'm going to be the one now that's going to actually give my translation of what he was saying because everybody was trying to wonder what he was saying, obviously. Um, Eddie's doing here once again with Naomi Gray. Now, he was talking about how, you know, I just think this it's about it for me. You know, after a while, I you know, I just couldn't get the win. Um, he's talking about mostly he's disappointed because he missed the uh, penalty kick, not the penalty kick, the, um, the shootout. They lost the shootout to Chile. And, you know, he was all disappointed about it. They show him, like, in the video, kind of like, like he's going to cry. Because, you know, they don't give you a second after the after you lose to just walk off the field. And uh, he just talked about his mind is, you know, is not in it right now. So my thought is, even if you're not a big soccer fan, 29 years old, you're quite arguably the most popular por um, person in the sport. And you're going to retire. Don't you think it's a little premature? Um, and I'm just asking you right now, in your thoughts. If you know a 29-year-old in the prime of his career, it's like this kind of like if Kevin Durant just said, I'm done. I haven't won an NBA title. I'm done. Well, it's different. Saying NBA, because he's retiring from playing for Argentina. So it's not yes. the same as saying you're retiring from actually the sport. You have to remember that. Especially as athletes and as people, you gotta realize when it's time to stop some stop doing something that you're not passionate for. You know, most people would think, Oh, of course you wanna play for your country and try and win, you know, a trophy for them, a championship for them. But I guess, you know, he feels like, Okay, I'm not passionate for about this anymore. It's draining on me mentally, physically, emotionally. Maybe I need to remove myself from the equation. Is he being kind of a sore loser? Absolutely. Mm. You know, but it just, you got to sit back and remember, he's if it's it's about his passion, you have to do things that you love to do, that you're passionate for. And if he doesn't love playing for his country, then so be it. It's kind of like a, like you wouldn't, especially being from Argentina in a place like that, you know, big on soccer, you would think that he would want to stick it out. Yeah, but, it was. It was a shock for me, obviously, with the whole thing. Cause, and I say retirement because... Look at it. Soccer is huge everywhere else in the world but the U.S., right? Right. International play is bigger than anything else. Let's be honest. It is. Right. The World Cup, they go crazy for. Right. 
this is like next to the World Cup. You, you know, talking about this. Absolutely. How can you just say you don't want to do this anymore when this is what everybody pays attention to the most around the world? Right. You know? Why would you want to? Why would you not want to be on the biggest stage? That's why I say you're giving up because this is the biggest stage. Why would you not want to still be on it and still keep fighting? Exactly. It's just, but then, it, like I like going back to what I said. It he doesn't care about being on the biggest stage. Maybe it's too much pressure for him. And you know, it definitely is a lot of pressure for him. He's coming in on the Argentinian team, and he's Lionel Messi. You know what I mean? Everybody's looking at him to be that saving grace. When he made that penalty kick against us. All over the internet, everybody was like, "Wow, look at that!" I think it was a penalty kick. Everybody, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. But he, some people can't handle that pressure. Eventually, you know, and if that, if you're gonna have that pressure and not win, when it comes down to it, it, it kind of sucks. It sucks a lot. So, definitely premature. I definitely think he should have stuck it out and you know try to see where it got him. Yeah. But I guess he knows the potential of the team. Maybe he feels like the Argentinian team isn't you know capable of winning a championship. So I mean, he just decided to throw in the towel. I don't. I don't think that's the truth, but definitely, points to me feels like saying that he is a sore loser and he gave up. But then, just me being the person that I am, I sit back and I think about, okay, he's probably not passionate of it, and you can't do things that you're not passionate for. Okay, I definitely agree with that. That's uh, that's a very good point. But speaking of passion, this actually is a, a developing story right now. James Harrison, a linebacker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's gotten into a bit of a, a little battle with uh, Roger Goodell, like most people do. Because mm-hmm. Roger Goodell is trying to check people for PEDs. That he's on a witch hunt, make sure who's on performance enhancement drugs, you know, that type of deal. Right. James Harris has been in, with fights, like passionately fighting Goodell for years over illegal hits. And, you know, what's a, what's everything that Goodell hates is what James Harrison does. Mm-hmm. So PEDs is the next thing that's up. And he said the only way... You're going to get a PED test from him is if Goodell himself shows up to his house right. and goes in with him as he gets it done. Other than that, he's not doing it. Now, Roger Goodell obviously has been a uh, the lightning rod recently, obviously, with Deflate Gate and Ben Affleck cursing a million times on the ringers uh, on Ben, what was it, Ben Simmons' show. Bill Simmons' show, I'm sorry. What do you do here? Is James Harrison right? Like, is he correct in this in handling this with Roger Goodell, saying that he's going to force him to have to come and see it in person for him to get any type of test done, or is he just doing too much in this situation? I mean, going based off of Roger Goodell's rap sheet and stuff, I don't think I don't think he's doing too much at all. I think it's kind of like you feel so strongly about it, so come. Come, come with me as I do it. Then, like you feel so strongly about getting, trying to pin people to this and trying to do, you know, trying to do your research—not research, but you know, investigation on this on athletes taking this performance enhancement drug. Then, okay, so you do it, and you already said that they had that history yeah. of them, you know, going back and forth. So I think it definitely isn't doing too much. He's just being himself in this situation, and I don't know. It's it's entertaining nonetheless. It's very entertaining because that's the only way you can look at it. I mm-hmm. mean, I like James Harris because he's just so bold and will curse out the, the commissioner in a second. Yeah. He does not care. Um, everybody hates the commissioner. Everybody hates this guy. That's but why I'm yet, not surprised he's putting this heat on him. Yeah, so it's but it's my thing is, like, if you're um, if you're Roger Goodell, like, do you want to be hated so much? You know what I mean? Like, is this really Some people are about? just so headstrong, they don't care who likes them and who doesn't like them. They just want to, they just, it's, it's about being like a, I wouldn't want to, I don't know if control freaks the right, 
right word, but it's just about trying to maintain having this power over people. And when you try to maintain that power, you don't care if people like you. You forget that there's that there are there is a such thing as people liking you. You yeah. know? No, you're right. It's because I'm going on a power trip in a sense. Oh man, it's it's more. It's, I just feel like the power trip is so. It's just so out there for um, a lot of these, a lot, especially for Goodell, more than any other commissioner in history. And we've seen some rough commissioners. David Stern was, you know, very rough with the with the NBA. Let's be honest. He had his uh, remember the whole um, Meta World Peace jumping into the stands situation. He uh, well he. It, it, this was the malice at the palaces for ever to be known as. That's oh, the players. oh, yeah, okay, yes. okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think that was right. Beckley's oh, brought our test. That's Beckley's okay. brought our test. And that happened, and he suspended him for the rest of the year. And this yeah. was like, after like 12 games, he just suspended him for the rest of the year. Right. That was validated, you know? Mm-hmm. We also had David Stern pretty much uh, turn, like his whole trade that was supposed to happen with Chris Paul. Remember how he went to the Clippers? Yeah. He's originally supposed to go to the Lakers. And it was denied by the commissioner for no reason. No reason. Only because he wanted to make the Clippers better. So he accepted the trade to go to the Clippers, but not Not the Lakers. Not to the Lakers. Because the NBA at the time had the rights to the New Orleans Hornets. They didn't have an owner at the time. Now the Hornets obviously are owned in Charlotte by the by Michael Jordan. Right. So I just find that, you know, David Stern took caught a lot of heat. But he still stood up there and took it. He just, like, accepted it. He would be at press conferences or even NBA drafts when he's getting booed by fans, kind of putting his hand up here like, yeah, keep it keep going, keep it going. It's all right. I don't yeah. care. Goodell, Some people like that. Some people love being hated. But Goodell, it, it just seems like he's being hated and he's acting like, why do they hate me? Like He yeah. always acts like he's confused. Why do they hate me? <laughs> That's what I have a problem with, you know? You got guys that are naming you, like, in your league that are saying, you are, you are horrible. You are terrible. Right. And you still are just like, me? I, I'm just a nice guy, just doing my... That's how he acts like, you know? Right. I, I never understood that with him. Like, own it. Just own it. Yeah, if you're going to do it, you're going to go that far, you might as well own it. I actually, I, I agree with that. Just own it, man. Like, it, it I, I don't know if people are going to like you better, but I think people will respect you a little more. Mm-hmm. Just say, I'm a tyrant. This right. is what I do. <laughs> David Stern said it straight up, I'm a tyrant. Adam Silver now, who's the new commissioner of the NBA, he says it. I'm a tyrant. Whatever I say goes. That is it. Yeah. You never hear, oh, well, we're going to do this appeal. They're going to go to courts. And you don't hear none of that with the NBA. It's, that's it. Yeah, it is what it is. It's it's real. I, I just, I, I never understood that whole situation. But, you know, it's what it is. It's whatever. I went on my little rant about commissioners. <laughs> but uh, that's that's just how it stands out to me. I just never understand why the NFL always goes through this. Because we're never talking about them on the field anymore. It's more about everything yeah, off the field. Yeah, everything off the field. That's very true. Johnny Manziel again in the news. His, oh, God. His father accidentally texted the Associated Press that his son needs help. How do you... I just want to... <laughs> I want to just really dig deep into that situation. You heard about this, all right? It's just... How do you accidentally text the Associated Press? It's... What is it saved in under your phone? It's saved under fire? I don't know. It's just... What, what, what do you... How do you accidentally... There's no such thing with technology now with smartphones. There's no such thing as accidental texts, no. accidental emails, mm-hmm. none of that. Nothing mm-hmm. by accident. If it is accident, it's going to be a bunch of typos, jibber-jabbish. Like, yeah. that's what accidental. But straight up, <laughs> like, your concern for your child, your texting to the Associated Press. Yeah. 
where you know that's going to blow up absolutely everywhere, mm-hmm. it was a cry for help. It not was, a silent cry for help at all. It was, a, it was not even just a cry for help. It was throwing your son under the bus. the bus, like heavy. Oh, my God. It was just like, hey, yeah, he's crazy. Don't let him play in, in the NFL. Yeah. Like, I didn't get that. Now, granted, his father's rich. His father, he, remember, Johnny Mizzell comes from money. Not surprised. You see his antics. That's that stuff you've seen many times with children have come to, you know, fortunate households like that. It's But it's like, wow, you know? Just wow. Like, what what could this guy do to get his life back together? How old do? is he? He's got like 23, 24 years old. The guy's young. He needs to not play football. That's his life. In part, gonna have to figure something else out. We've seen that when he did get drafted. What were they called? Money Manziel? That was, yeah, what was that? Johnny Money, Money Manziel. Man. It was just too much. It was partying with people like Floyd Mayweather and stuff like that. And just living that party lifestyle before you even touch the field. Yeah. What in the world? It's it's one of those things where he knew right away that's what he wanted to do. We knew the type of party person he was before he got drafted. Right. This isn't a surprise. I'm more surprised that people are shocked by this. You know? I hear this and I'm literally not shocked. You shouldn't be. And that's that's the whole thing. But I'm shocked at so- the fact that his dad lied and said he accidentally texted somebody. That's the most shocking news. <laughs> it's... Yeah, that's I, I still I don't know what he had the AP listed under. I thought he must have thought it was his brother. He, he called AP. I don't know. I'm just trying to make, I'm trying to find an excuse to work for this man because none none of it is Yawn. working. None of it is working. I'm worried about him. Last thing I'm gonna bring up. One more thing. Last thing. The NHL. They, the NHL is weird. The NHL had their draft and they had their award show like a day apart. Okay. So. You got the new players coming in, and you also had the awards. But, like, the biggest thing with the awards was Patrick Kane won MVP. Now, Patrick Kane is an American hockey player, and that's rare in the NHL for it to be an American to win their highest honor. So, you know, congratulations to him. And I say this because it was also an American drafted number one, which is very rare also, from Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, wow. In hockey. <laughs> that let's let's really get this let's get this it's a straight big contradiction in hockey. And the other big news in hockey also is we have a new team in Las Vegas. They That's have a, huge. a hockey team in Vegas, which is huge. It affects all sports, mind you. Not the not just the fact that they have the hockey team, but one this is going to bring even more attention to the Raiders going over there. The Raiders are going to go over there next year. It's happening. So mm-hmm. all you Oakland fans enjoy them this year because they're going next year. That money is in Las Vegas, a lot of it. Right. And Vegas wants a team badly. And the only team that makes sense going there are the Raiders. They do. They're the only team that makes sense. So Raiders are going to Las Vegas next year. You got the you already have the hockey team starting next year. And a basketball team, they have an arena built for an NBA team. Cause remember they had in uh the All Star game was in Vegas a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. They want to bring the All-Star game back, but they also want an NBA team. So they're sitting there just waiting. They're just waiting for a team to mess up. (laughs) Just like the Supersonics, you slip up one minute, you lose your team. No matter what the legacy is, you mess up one minute, you're going to lose your team. Because money is everything. People in Vegas are going to come out to an NBA team. 100%. And talk about the home court advantage or home ice, home field advantage. You're in Vegas. The New York Giants are going to go play the Raiders in Vegas. I am worried about Odell Beckham Jr. in Vegas (laughs) before the game. If you're a coach, that's got to be hell. You're sending your players out there 
on a Sin road City. trip to Vegas. And they're thinking it's vacation after a while. You talk about New York being a city that never sleeps. Vegas, there are no clocks for a reason. Have you ever been to Vegas? No, I haven't, I have been. I have been. There are no clocks. <laughs> There's no need for a clock. Everything is open as if it was regular day. It doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter. It could be three in the morning. You don't know. Vegas is a dangerous place at times. Sounds fun. <laughs> so we're having professional sports making its transition to Las Vegas. I, I don't know. I'm excited because I think it's going to be fun just to hear the stories. Yeah. There'll be plenty of them. But is that, do you feel like it's a good idea, in your opinion, that all these teams are now making this transition? The leagues are, are making a transition to making Vegas a hot spot? Money. It has to do with money. Of course, whenever it comes to making money, it's a good idea. Nobody cares about if the players are going to get themselves into some trouble. No. There's replacements all around. There's, there's always replacements, and it's just like, man. <laughs> it's going to be a problem. Right. It's going to be such a problem. But we're going to do a step aside and take our last break. And uh, when we come back, I do want to play a little bit of what Jesse Williams was saying in regards to his whole BET speech. And I want to make, because I, I actually thought about this last night, my own correlation to his speech and to some of the players that we have in the different leagues today. Because this does affect them as well. And I think it's something that should be said. So we'll be right back. Sports Social, Ed Easton here on Soundcast FM.
before we get into it, I just want to say, you know, I brought my parents out tonight. I just want to thank them uh, for being here, for teaching me um, to focus on comprehension over career, that uh, they make sure I learn what the schools were afraid to teach us, and also to thank my amazing wife for changing my life. Now, this award, this is not for me. This is for the real organizers all over the country, the activists, the civil rights attorneys, the struggling parents, the families, the teachers, the students that are realizing that a system built to divide and impoverish and destroy us cannot stand if we do. All right? It's kind of basic mathematics. The more we learn about who we are and how we got here, the more we will mobilize. Now, this is also in particular for the black women, in particular, who have spent their lifetimes dedicated to nurturing everyone before themselves. We can and will do better for you. Now, What we've been doing is looking at the data, and we know that police somehow manage to de-escalate, disarm, and not kill white people every day. So what's going to happen is we are going to have equal rights and justice in our own country, or we will restructure their function and ours. Now... I got more, y'all. Yesterday would have been young Tamir Rice's 14th birthday. So I don't want to hear any more about how far we've come when paid public servants can pull a drive-by on a 12-year-old playing alone in a park in broad daylight, killing him on television and then going home to make a sandwich. Tell Rakia Boyd how it's so much better to live in 2012 than it is to live in 1612 or 1712. Tell that to Eric Garner. Tell that to Sandra Bland. Tell that to Dorian Hunt. Now the thing is, though, all of us in here getting money, that alone isn't going to stop this. All right? Now, dedicating our lives, dedicating our lives to getting money just to give it right back for someone's brand on our body, when we spent centuries praying with brands on our bodies, and now we pray to get paid for brands on our bodies. There has been no war that we have not fought and died on the front lines of. There has been no job we haven't done, there's no tax they haven't levied against us, and we've paid all of them. But freedom is somehow always conditional here. You're free, they keep telling us. But she, she, she would have been alive if she hadn't acted so free. Now, freedom is always coming in the hereafter. But, you know what though, the hereafter is a hustle. We want it now. And let's get, let's get a couple things straight, just a little side note. The burden of the brutalized is not to comfort the bystander. That's not our job, all right, stop with all that. If you have a critique for the resistance, for our resistance, then you better have an established record of critique of our oppression. If you have no interest, if you have no interest in equal rights for black people, then do not make suggestions to those who do. Sit down. We've been floating this country on credit for centuries, yo. And we're done watching and waiting while this invention called whiteness uses and abuses us, 
burying black people out of sight and out of mind while extracting our culture, our dollars, our entertainment like oil, black gold, ghettoizing and demeaning our creations, then stealing them, gentrifying our genius, and then trying us on like costumes before discarding our bodies like rinds of strange fruit. The thing is, though, the thing is that just because we're magic doesn't mean we're not real. Thank you. That was from last night. Jesse Williams, you know, he plays uh, a doctor on Grey's Anatomy. He won the, uh, the Humanitarian Award from BET last night at the BET Awards. And he brought the house down with that speech. It's only about four minutes long. But he brought the house down. He got his point across, and you know it, it really got you thinking. Obviously, uh, I'm, you know, I'm African American male in America. Obviously, you hear that, and you're like, man, this guy really wanted to make sure, like, you know, his point was was across. He didn't say anything in the sense of, let's go out there and kill people. Let's. He wasn't trying to come at you on, in a violent way of the way we should look at protests, the way we should look at you know, the way we deal with the police and all the different things that are going on. He pointed at specific things about how the culture, how African-American culture has affected the world and how it should be respected. It shouldn't be used as like he was saying, like um, our culture is kind of used as like a Halloween costume, you know, it should be respected in the way that we are black people. We have our own rights. Our rights shouldn't be as simple as, okay, that's somebody who was just killed. And, you know, that's it. Like, oh, we'll get the police off. We'll get this person off. It, it really showed an empowerment in that. And, I, you know, I, I tried to think of a relation into sports and what he was saying. The main thing that he said, we talk about brands and the brands on our back and how much money we get, you know, for even for all these different endorsements that you see that these players get. The responsibility that comes along with it is sometimes lost. You'll see all these big companies like Nike to Adidas, you know, all of them, you know, they're obviously not black. These are not black companies, but yet we will do whatever we can to be the ones that are be the face of them to be basically the, you know, the poster, the poster child of these companies, but yet they want our likeness. They want our beliefs. They want that because they know that we're the ones that are the, 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 the tastemakers. We're the ones that, bring the people to the table to buy. So how come we're not respected in the life sense of the word, you know? So I always think about all these players that have like these big endorsement deals. Do you ever think about that? Do they ever think about the people out there that will be spending the hundreds and the hundreds of dollars on their sneakers, on their brands, but yet in the streets are basically treated like trash whenever something goes down. So it's, it's just, everything's full circle, you know, it isn't just, that wasn't just a topic that could be used for politics. That was a topic that that's a topic that could be used for life yeah. in every genre, music, sports, you name it. What he talked about touched everything. Mm-hmm. And it got everybody talking like it should be. So I don't know what are your thoughts on that. I just think there needs to be more people who can use their platform like him and, you know, bring awareness to these situations, especially those African American athletes. But I think they get, you know, put into these compromised positions where they don't wanna offend any of their fans or any of their supporters. So that's why they don't go through those, you know, strengths of making comments in regards to these situations. I mean, they made, you know, athletes made a big stand when 
you know, after the whole, was it the Donald Sterling situation? Yeah. Like the, the Clippers, you know, they, they reacted, the players reacted to that. And many different topics as well, but we don't see those individual. I think it's it's more powerful when you see individuals who are very, you know, aggressive about the matter, very passionate about the matter. And it'll be nice to see somebody like that in the sports world step up, somebody like a Muhammad Ali, you know, but we don't have that right now. So, you know, I think it, it, it comes with confidence and Hopefully there can be more players who could speak on situations like this and be more passionate about it. It's something that, like I said, needs to be addressed a lot more. It it shouldn't take until the BET Awards for that to be a topic. And I do want to see a lot of athletes talk more about it. You know, there are some people that do speak out in regards to these cases. I'm not going to say that it doesn't happen, mm-hmm. but you want to see it more more you frequently, know, more, more consistent. frequently, especially since these guys are, are worshipped around the world, you know. Exactly, they by really so, are. especially by the youth, like they're they're gods to like to little chil- to young children looking up to them, you know. Definitely. So, uh, you know, I definitely want everybody just to leave on that note and just to you know understand that it's not just a black thing; it's it's everybody thing, you know. You just gotta understand it from everybody's side. So, Justin Timberlake, you know, you can you kind of get a lot of heat for it. I don't think it's all the way necessary, but mm-hmm. there's a lot of anger out there. I think he realized it, too, for the first time. There's a yeah. lot of anger out there, so it's something to be said. But um, I want to thank everybody for listening. Till next time, Sports Social Ed Easton from Miss Naomi Gray. Catch us next time. How about that? Yes. <laughs> We're out. <laughs>